you will live. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 13. You will live. Let's read this passage together before we go into the word. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This is God's word. This passage contains the most marvelous promise, the wonderful promise, the amazing promise. If only let's have, let's open our eyes and see that promise, that remarkable promise that God has given to you and me, you will live. Paul, who began this chapter by saying, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the way he began this chapter. Now, in this passage, he's reminding us there is still within us the remaining sinful nature. He's telling us. There is that residue of sinful nature which is within us. It is because of this. This is opposing and hindering the growth in our spiritual life. And even as we look forward to our resurrected bodies in the future, we must put to death the deeds of the body now, now today, right now. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is reiterating here something significant. He says, if we let the residual sinful nature in us alone, if we leave the remaining sinful nature in us alone, if we allow it to grow unchecked, we will not grow in our spiritual life. So we all are interested, we all are, we all are desirous to grow in our spiritual life. And Paul is saying, 
the way to our to grow in our spiritual life to put to death the misdeeds of the body he says with the help of the holy spirit we must attack and put sin to death the more we put to death the sinful nature the more we will enjoy the spiritual life that the holy spirit gives the life that has been promised to us life and peace but this life and peace we will get if we put to death the sinful nature and he is not talking about a life that is after life or after our death he's talking about a life right here in this world he's talking about a life an abundant life a joyful life a satisfying life right in this world in this life let me explain this truth in mathematical language suppose this is set b so verse 5 in verse 5 we have already seen the mind but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace now we all want our minds to be governed by the spirit because that verse says the mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace and we all want our minds to be governed by the spirit but in verse 13 paul says if you put to death the misdeeds of the body you will live and this is what we call as mortification we will come to that later now in mathematics we know a set a is a subset of a set b if all the elements of a is also an element of b uh let me explain it in non mathematical terms paul basically is saying that put to death verse 13 is nothing but a subset of set b that's what he says in mathematical language let me put it in uh, ordinary language paul says we cannot have a mind governed by the spirit without mortification whenever we think about that our mind should be filled by the spirit we cannot think of it without mortification that's what he says so he says put to death in verse 13 is just a subset under the mind governed by the spirit because in verse 5 we saw that the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace and we want life and peace the life that is promised right here and paul says to have that we need to have mortification we can never imagine a mind governed by the spirit without mortification in other words verse 5 can never be complete without verse 13 that's what paul says we cannot have a mind 
governed by the spirit without putting to d put to, without putting to death the misdeeds of the body since we all want to enjoy that abundant life that god has promised to each one of us and that promise is there here not for something in the future so it is important for us to understand the meaning and significance of the phrase to put to death misdeeds of the body that is in verse 13 this process of putting to death the misdeeds of the body is what earlier theologians used to call mortification they got it from the old king james version and i'll just show that verse it is not there even in the new king james version it is there in the old king james version for if ye live after the flesh he shall die but if he through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body he shall live now the sense of mortify that i'm going to talk is obsolete in modern english so you don't get the meaning for this word from an english dictionary so we have to try to understand what this word mortification means verse 13 explains that there is a kind of life which leads to death and there is a kind of death which leads to life that's what verse 13 explains there is a kind of life which leads to death and there is a kind of death which leads to life so this verse clarifies three truths about mortification so the first truth is what is mortification that means put to death putting to death the deeds of the body is what we call as mortification so we need to understand what is mortification but first let me clarify what is not mortification this is not mortification self-inflicted pain asceticism i'm not getting into this but this is not mortification the greek word tanatote that's the greek word that is that word is only translated as put to death the meaning of the word tanatote is violent to kill someone so mortification means your ruthless full-hearted resistance to sinful attitudes and behaviors our focus is to kill to put to death so there is no compromise in this it is a ruthless business it is a full-hearted resistance we strain every single nerve in our body to put to death what do we put to death the sinful attitudes and behaviors this is a kind of a holy war that all true christians are engaged in in it every day this is a kind of holy war we are expected and we will be in this holy war if you are truly christian now let me try to explain it pictorially this means a christian 
doesn't play games with sin. He doesn't play games with sin. We don't say, it is okay if I watch an obscene picture only once, or if I lie only this time, or if I cheat only once, and so on. So we don't play games like that. We don't just we don't just avoid things we know are sin. We avoid the things that lead to it. It is not only that we will not we will not just be in that place. We will stop going to that place. It's that kind of an attitude. Now. It's important for us as to how we deal our sinful attitude and behavior, anger, jealousy, gossip, greed, lies, pride, selfishness, laziness, lust, and whatever uh, sins you struggle with, you can add to that list. Now, we have been struggling against this behavior. I said our, our fight is against sinful attitudes and behaviors. So it is not that, oh, I wanted to get angry, but okay, I've been able to control. It's not that way of dealing. That is not mortification. I have been quiet. No, that's not mortification. Mortification is, if we want to fight the sin effectively, what we need to do is we need to recognize this as evil. We have been born and brought up in a sinful environment and many of our sinful attitudes and behaviors are part of our lives. It is part of our lives because we have become comfortable with those sins. So the first thing we need to do is, we need to call that as evil, evil. And we should have such an imagery of sin. What do you do when you stand before a bear like this? This is our anger, this is our jealousy, this is our gossip, this is our greed, this is our lies, pride, selfishness, laziness, lust. Unless we have an imagery like that, unless we have an image, it is not okay. I have lived with this so I can manage, I can control. No, that is not mortification. Mortification is we imagine. The imagery that comes to our mind is the image of a violent animal. What you do when you when you are faced with a violent animal, you will say, okay, please be quiet. No, you put to death. You put to death because you know if you don't put to death, you will be put to death. So that is what mortification means. That's what Paul says, we, we must put to death the misdeeds of the body. Today, in whatever area we are struggling, maybe laziness, maybe selfishness, maybe greed, maybe pride, whatever may be that area, we need to have an image. We need to call that as evil, and we need to have such an imagery of sin that nothing can do justice except by putting it to death.
that's that's what Paul says. This picture, what I have explained, this is what Paul says in Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, when we read Galatians 5.24, we think Paul is teaching something new. No, Paul is not teaching something new. He's just elaborating on what our Lord Jesus Christ has taught us. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 9.23, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. We all, most of us know this verse by heart. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. To take up our cross and following Jesus is a symbolic way of following Jesus to the place of execution. So we carry our cross and we follow Jesus and it is not leading us to a palace. It is leading us to the place of execution. So when we go to the place of execution, what do we put to death there? What do we put to death there? It is the misdeeds of the body we put to death. The way we use our eyes, the way we use our ears, the way we use our mouth, the way we use our hands, the way we use our feet. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. You take up your cross daily. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. In other words, we have a business of crucifying the misdeeds of the body every day. We need to crucify. Maybe by our eyes. Last Sunday, Pastor Sani was telling, eyes and ears are the gateway to sin. So maybe our eyes, obscene pictures, what we are watching, may be funny, but it is not holy. Lustful things, ears, listening to the gossip, listening to dirty jokes. We need to sacrifice that. We need to crucify that. Gluttony, vulgarity. We praise God with our mouth. We also curse people with our mouth. We slander them. We level false allegations against them. Hands, we use the hands, with hands we praise God, with the same hands we also bring cause pain to others. We use this hand to show how strong we are. We use this hand when we misappropriate our integrity, our finances, when we compromise our integrity. Feet, where we are not supposed to go, we are there because it's interesting. That's the wandering feet. 
And Paul says, put to death the misdeeds of the body. This is what's known as mortification. What is mortification? This is what's known as mortification. This is nothing new. Jesus said, you take up your cross daily and follow me to that place where you will be executed, where the misdeeds of your body will be executed. So we must be ruthless in not looking, in not hearing, in not touching, in not going. So it is not that we, we just play with sin, we are so ruthless with ourselves, we will not even go to that place. We will not even look at those sites. We should be careful. So the question that we all need to ask is, how often we who desire to grow in our spiritual life have put to death the misdeeds of the body? We all want to grow in our spiritual life, but how often have we put to death the misdeeds of the body? That's what Paul is talking about. What is mortification? I hope mortification is clear. So now, how does mortification take place? How does mortification take place? In Romans 8.13, Paul says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you mortify the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, mortification is something we have to do. It is not a question of dying or being put to death, but of putting to death. We have to carry our own cross and we have to execute our own misdeeds of the body. No one else will do it for you. No one else will do it for me. In other words, in mortification, we cannot remain as a spectator. We cannot be passive. Some anointed people will come and pray. Pastor will pray. No, pastor has to mortify his misdeeds. I cannot do it for my wife, or my wife cannot mortify my, the misdeeds of my body. Each one has to put to death the misdeeds of the body. We are responsible for putting evil to death. There's no excuse. We don't have to blame others. I don't have to blame my wife. She is the cause for my anger. No, I have to put to death the anger that is in me. I, I, I don't have the privilege of blaming my wife. In other words, I am responsible for putting to death the misdeeds of my body. Now, it is a, it is a surgery. It's a painful surgery. No one likes surgery. You know, when we go to doctor, we'll say, can we avoid this? Because surgery is not an interesting thing. But at least in, in the surgery, the doctor will give us anesthesia and he will perform the surgery. But in this spiritual surgery, 
there's no anesthesia and it is not some doctor will perform we have to perform on ourselves and it is difficult god knows it is difficult that is the reason paul says but if by the spirit we cannot do it on our own but with the help of the holy spirit we can do it because it's the holy spirit who gives us the desire the determination and discipline to put to death the misdeeds of the body now do you realize how important the role of the holy spirit holy spirit indwells in every believer you don't looking for you don't go looking for the holy spirit holy spirit indwells in every believer who confesses jesus christ as a savior holy spirit indwells so he helps us with this help we can mortify the misdeeds of the body but the question is we have to take the initiative we must have the desire we must reject totally everything we know to be wrong and we should not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature to do this we should not pretend that there is no evil in us i have been saved paul is writing to christians paul is writing to christians who believe in jesus so paul says there is remaining sinful nature the residual sinful nature in believers and paul is addressing that issue so we should not pretend there is no sin in me evil does not exist in me no it is the opposite we have to look for it we have to hate it and we have to put it to death you know in in our house if we have some telltale signs of a cobweb what do you do if you have a telltale signs of cockroach or an infected or ants or a rat what do you do the moment you see these things there's an infestation of ant what do you do you will just leave it like that you look for it you go and find the source finding the source what do you do you kill everything you block complete passage so that house is clean so sin is like that you look for it i should look for sinful nature in me i don't have to pretend i don't have that if we are honest enough we will know that sinful nature is still in me so i should look for it i should hate it i should have an imagery that is so bad nothing but putting to death alone will give me peace that is what is mortification and this is the truth jesus explained graphically in matthew chapter 5 29 if your right eye causes you to stumble gouge it out and throw it away it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell we should be very clear about this jesus who saved us with his life with his blood he is teaching us 
If you are right, I causes you to stumble, gouge it out. And Paul is writing to the Roman Christian believers, put to death the misdeeds of the body. In fact, he begins the passage saying that you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. He is not writing to the people who are in the realm of the flesh. When he comes to verse 9, you know, he's addressing in the second person, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. He's writing to the believers and he says, you should put to death the misdeeds of the body. Now, the struggle for us is most of the time, religious parents teach their children something like this. Now, remember, our church is a gospel-centered church. Now, see the difference, how it works. Why we say that we are gospel-centered and not religious-centered? Now, parents, most of the time, they teach their children something like this. If you do that, God will punish you. If you do that, God will send you to hell. How can you do that? After all, you are from a Christian family. Hey, if you do that, what our relatives will say about us? If you do this, it will hurt your image. It will hurt your reputation. I don't know how many of us are able to identify with this kind of upbringing. As parents, how many of us have uttered the same words or maybe same thing in different words? If you do this, God will punish you. If you do that, it's as though God is just waiting to send everyone into hell. That's the kind of upbringing some of us had. I wish it's only some of us, not most of us. But whatever I said, some or all of this may be true, but Paul tells us they are inadequate. They are not good enough. They are insufficient. What we are trying to do is, what the parents have tried to do is, taking your temptation to the law and using fear to frighten yourself. You are causing fear in the minds. We are again resorting to the law. And we know that law cannot make us holy. This is what we call as legalism. We call this as legalism. We call this as religiosity because religiosity will not help us to become holy. There are many religious people during the time of Jesus. Religiosity will not make us holy. Now, please listen to this carefully. Paul says we are to use the logic of the gospel on ourselves. We need to understand this gospel completely, truly, fully. The Son of God came to this world and died for my sins. We need to understand this. So Paul says, we have to use the logic of the gospel on ourselves. So instead of that, see, if you do this, God will punish you. We need to say, 
look what Jesus has done for me on the cross. Look what Jesus has done for me on the cross. Is this how I respond to him? When you get angry, it is not that getting angry is bad. It is bad, but you take a step further and say, look what Jesus has done for me on the cross. If he had got angry the way I get angry, what would have happened to me? If he had been greedy the way I am greedy, what would have happened to me? If I had been lazy, like I am lazy, what would have happened to me? So we go to the gospel. We go to the gospel and we say, is this the way I respond to the gospel? That is why we need to understand salvation fully and completely. We are to take our temptations to the gospel. And when, and when we take our temptations to the gospels, gospel, what do we find? We find God's love, God's soul of the world. And what else do we find? God did this by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh in my place. What else do we find? He sent his son to the cross. He died for me on the cross. What else did he do? So that I could be filled with his spirit in my heart. So when we take our temptations to the gospel and find God's love for us in sending his son to the cross and spirit into our hearts, that will be the better motivating factor to root out, to put to death the misdeeds of the body. When we do that, when we look at the cross, when we see that nail-pierced hand, when we see the blood flowing from his body, it is my anger, it is my lust, it is my selfishness, it is my greediness, it is my laziness. Every drop of blood that I see, it is I who sent him to the cross. It is my sin which sent him to the cross. And when we understand that love, we understand the depravity of sin. That's how we can give that imagery to that sin, that horrible imagery to the sin. We will never become comfortable with that till I get rid of it. If there, is a, if there is a mouse in the house, till you kill that, you're not you know, at peace. It's the same way, till I put to death. Whether it is unforgiveness, it, till I put that to death, I will not rest. I will not rest. This is the way we need to motivate ourselves. And this is the way we put to death the misdeeds of the body. So when we do like this, this mortification goes deeper, deeper, resisting sinful behavior. 
it it changes the very motives of the heart you know, even when i give money to the church it is not as a legalism i have to give 10% no not at all i give it out of a loving heart it is not i have an account with god if i if i am patient with my wife it is because i have dealt with that anger at the root level at the root level not at the superficial level if i work hard i have dealt with that laziness because of what christ did for me on the cross paul says if we remember what jesus christ has done for us and will do for us we will feel the obligations of love and gratitude to serve and know him nothing that i have is better than what god has given to me that's why we say we lay our all our crowns at the cross because when you look at the cross and see what jesus has done for you everything that you think is precious becomes a trash he is precious so we should learn to take our temptations to the gospel and we should introduce our children to a god of love not to a god of wrath not to a god of punishment those are the consequences of our sin but when we introduce our god to our children or to anyone non believers we have to introduce a god of love he is so loving he came and died for me on the cross a loving god this should be the motivation for us to lead a holy life finally why should we practice mortification it is not a pleasant business you know if we like to eat sweet it's not a problem if somebody brings sweet the problem is if he likes sweet and when somebody says don't eat sweet that becomes a problem so because sin as somehow we have enjoyed sin knowingly or unknowingly we have enjoyed that animal we thought it will be a pet animal unknowingly we have enjoyed it so when we want to push that it's going to be an unpleasant if you want to put it to death it's going to be an unpleasant business a painful business anything painful it runs counter to our human tendency we don't want pain we don't embrace pain who loves who likes pain when i was having pain in my body i want to get rid of my pain you want to cut anything you cut but release me from that pain so pain is not a pleasant thing but if we are to engage in it if we want to put to death the misdeeds of the body we should have strong motives that's why paul says in romans 8:12 therefore brothers and sisters we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh 
to live according to the according to it paul master theologian he's saying that the emphasis on mortification is simply not on the fruit but it is on the root it is not that my wife can see your good behavior i don't shout at her no i have to see that i have dealt with the root so mortification is not simply on the the emphasis of mortification is not on the fruit but on the root because the problem is today if i if i were to get angry i bite my teeth and i control my anger but if i have not dealt at the root level sin has its own way of manifesting itself in different forms it has its own way if i am not you know jealous of something if i try to close my eyes and if i think i have dealt with my jealousy that sin is still there it is still there so we have to deal at the root level paul is saying that we can deal with sin at the root level if we expose our sins constantly to that unimaginable love of jesus christ what jesus did for us on the cross just to see what he did on the cross just sit and just see go through that passion narratives and see what he has done for me and constantly as we expose our sins we should expose our sins not just we sit before the cross we have to see the ugliness that is in us which sent him to the cross we need to identify we need to be bold enough we to we need to be truthful to ourselves and identify and say this is what sent me sent my lord jesus to the cross and as we sit sit there and see what jesus did for us there will be a wave of gratitude and a feeling of obligation that's what paul says we have an obligation this obligation will not just come like that but as we dwell more and more on the love of god we will have an obligation remember sin can grow only in the soil of self pity and a feeling of entitlement sin will grow only in a soil of self pity oh see how sad i am see how much i am struggling this is all a soil of self pity sometimes i tell my wife don't you know i am not well that's a soil of self pity she knows that i don't have to tell that but it's all a soil of self pity and we need to be careful and the entitlement i deserve a better life than this i'm entitled see how much i have studied how hard i have worked i'm entitled i'm entitled see how much work i'm doing i'm entitled how many hours i work 
see that person is not doing any work. That's the feeling of entitlement. In other words, you say, God owes me. I'm such a good person. Lord, I'm doing your ministry. You better owe me. That's where sin grows. But Paul says we have an obligation. Each one of us, each child of God has an obligation for what Jesus has done for you and me, for each one of us. So Paul says we must remind ourselves we are debtors. If you take, um, say, 60 lakhs as loan, or say, 100 crores as loan, you are a debtor, unless you repay it. So salvation has come to us. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. We didn't earn it, but we have an obligation. He has given us something so huge, so unimaginable. Each one of us are obliged to him. And it is only when we have the sense of gratitude that will loosen, that will weaken, and that will kill sin at the motivational level itself. It is, we have to deal with sin at the motivational level. And Paul says, we have an obligation. If I want to just show a good behavior before my wife, I'm not dealing at the motivational level. But if I look at the cross and see what God has done for me, and then I repent, I deal at the motivation level. Now, mortification enables the child of God to overcome evil desires that destroys their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, if we want to grow in our spiritual life, mortification is not an option, it's a must. So it is for, it is for our good, because if we want to have that living, loving, growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, mortification is the means that takes us, that gives us that relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you should not think that Paul is contradicting himself. He's a great theologian. He is not contradicting himself because Paul has already told to the Romans that eternal life is a free gift. It is a free gift. It is an undeserved gift. We don't earn that gift. But it is not that Paul is making a reward for mortification. You mortify so that you will be rewarded. Paul is not doing that. Nor Paul is talking about a life that will come after we die. He's not talking about that life also. He's talking about life right here in this world. He's talking about children of God having a right and a dynamic relationship with our loving father. You are in pain and you cry to that father and you experience that father, that father, that loving father. Paul is talking about the life of God's children in this world who are led by his spirit and they are always assured of his fatherly love. He's talking about a rich, abundant, 
satisfying life that can be enjoyed only by those who put their misdeeds to death. He wants us, he wants the Roman Christians, Christians in Rome, to experience that abundant life. And Paul wants us to enjoy that life. Today, God wants us to enjoy that life. We have a wonderful God, loving God, gracious God, forgiving God. Oh, a generous God. He came to this world, what? You know, if a king comes and gives a gift, what, he's going to give you five rupees or what? He has given that gift of life at the cost of his own life. And he wants us to experience that gift, that rich, abundant, satisfying life that only his children can enjoy. And he's telling, Paul is encouraging his, the, his child, the children of God to put to death the misdeeds of deed. Paul has already told us in Romans chapter six, he has already told us it is by dying with Christ to sin, the penalty has been paid and we receive that forgiveness and freedom. He's talking to people who have experienced that forgiveness and freedom. Romans 8 is a chapter to the believers, to people who have experienced freedom and forgiveness. But Paul says in Romans chapter 8, it is only by putting our evil deeds to death, we experience the full life of God's children here in this life. If you want to live to your potential, that God wants you to live, that God has kept for each one of us. It is only by putting to death the misdeeds of your body. If I want to enjoy the full life that God has kept for me, if, I, if the more I know how great is our God, how good is our God, how wonderful is our God, and he has given me this gift, a wonderful gift of life and peace. You will live. I want to experience that life. And that life is not that I will get after I die right here in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my struggles, in the midst of my failures, in the midst of my health setback. I can enjoy that life. That's what Paul is telling in this place. You will live. Pray to God as we hear this message. Oh God, create in me that hunger and thirst for you, oh God. Oh God, you need to tell, I told you in the beginning itself, there is a kind of life that leads to death and that is that worldly life. We spend all our focus on worldly things, but that leads to death. But there is a kind of death that leads to life. If you remember in the beginning, I said this, there is a kind of death that leads to life. And that is this death, the misdeeds of the body. How often do we put to death the misdeeds of the body? How often have we come to the place where we say that, Lord, it is my sin that has sent you to the cross. 
It is not even the sins of the world. It is my sin that has nailed you to the cross. Till we come to that place, we will not be able to deal with the root of the sin. We'll be only dealing at the superficial level. And God wants us to deal at the root of the sin. If there is something cancerous, doctor doesn't play with that. He doesn't put a bandage. He'll just cut it out, cut it out. You don't play with cancer. So sin is like that. You don't play with it. You don't play with it. Because the devil shows sin something nice, pleasant, but he's deceiving us. It is cancer. It is going to kill us. Sooner, it's going to kill us. So we need to recognize sin. The misdeeds of the body as sin, and we need, to, we need to just pluck it out. Gouge out your eyes if it causes you to sin. Cut off your hand if it's causing you to sin. That is the approach. Paul says we need to take in our spiritual life, and he says you cannot do it on your own. It is by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. I pray this Pentecostal church will hunger and cry and you know, weep for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we, it is not just speaking in tongues. We need the indwelling Spirit of God to give us that strength to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Let us not just rest for something superficial. How do I apply this message? Recognize sin. It is very easy for us to recognize sin in others. Very easy. We can, I can find 101 faults with my wife. And it will be very difficult for me to write even two, three faults with me. It is a human tendency. We recognize shortcomings and sin in others very easily, but it is not recognize sin in others, recognize sin in yourself. We must be sincere and humble enough to recognize the presence of sin in our lives. Humility. We don't have to show to this world that we are perfect people. We're all fallen people. We live in a broken world. God saved us while we were yet sinners, not while we were holy people. So the world, the church has somehow created this atmosphere. You're a Christian, so your image has to be something like this. Holy, you need to put up a holy show. No, we are not holy. We need to be humble and recognize. We are becoming holy. We are increasingly becoming holy. We need to realize when we see Jesus face to face, we'll fully become holy. So we need to be humble enough to recognize the presence of sin in our lives. Paul was humble enough to confess. Paul, you know, if somebody says, if somebody feels, I don't think there is any sin in me, I would only like to draw your attention to Paul's confession in Romans 7, 21. He says, although I want to do ye good, evil is right there with me. 
if we are not willing to recognize sin in ourselves, we are only deceiving ourselves and opening ourselves more to the influence of sin. Paul said, although I want to do good, evil is there right with me. Paul was able to recognize the evil in him. Paul is the one who wrote about the Holy Spirit. Paul is the one who spoke, who told about speaking in tongues. And that Paul says, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. The residue of sin that hinders our spiritual life. We need to pray with David, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The more we spend time at the foot of the cross, we will understand the ugliness of sin in us, in us. We can, I can do ministry for all wrong reasons, that is sin all wrong reasons just to satisfy my ego just to satisfy my flesh so we need to be very open careful we are fallen human beings if jesus had to come the second person of trinity had to come and die for sin we don't play with sin we don't take it lightly once you're diagnosed with cancer you don't take it lightly you undergo the treatment. If you ignore it, it's at your peril. Same way, once we know it is my sin that has sent Jesus to the cross, we don't play with sin. So recognize sin in yourself. Love Jesus, love Jesus. Let every single cell in you love Jesus. Whatever you do, do it as a response to his love. That's why we don't preach religiosity. We don't preach legalism. If I want to give God, if I want to give to basket, basket club, it is not a pain for me. I do it in response to what God has done for me. Everything, the misdeeds of my body. If I want to lie in the bed for a long time, I try to get up, do some work so that I can glorify my God. I deal with my sin like that in response to what God has done for me. If I would desire something, I tell myself, be contented with what you have. If I don't have something, I tell God, you are my Jehovah Jireh. If I don't have this, I don't need this. If I need this, I know you will get this. That's the way I deal with my envy. I deal with my jealousy. I deal with my greed. So love Jesus. The more we love Jesus, not just taking the name of Jesus, the more our cell, every single cell in our body loves Jesus. Saturate your mind with the word of God. God speaks to us with the word of God. Depend on the Holy Spirit 
Do not be drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And whereas we are filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit will tell us what is in our heart. What, is, what are our motives? The Holy Spirit will tell us. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for that marvelous promise, that amazing promise, that splendid promise, that breathtaking promise. You will live. This is not a life after death. You're talking about life right here in this world, oh God. In the midst of all our disappointments, in the midst of all our failures, health issues, you are talking about an abundant life in this world. You will live. I pray, Lord, engrave it on our hearts, Master. We will desire this life, not the life that the world offers that leads to death, but if we can put to death the misdeeds of the body, we will live, O oh God. Spirit of God, I pray you will fill each one of us. Give us the desire. Give us the determination. Give us the discipline to put to death the misdeeds of the body, O oh Lord. You want us to be an active participant in this process. Oh Lord, oh Lord. We want to grow in our spiritual life. We want to grow in our relationship with you. Let that be our hunger. We love you. We love you more than anything in this world. Teach us to love you, Lord Jesus, with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls, with all our strength. Teach us, O oh Lord, teach us everything we do, every breath that we take, it will be in response to what you have done for us on the cross. Teach us to enjoy that abundant life in this life. Let our spouses enjoy that abundant life. Let our children enjoy the abundant life. Let our family members enjoy that abundant life. Let this community enjoy that abundant life. Let this place, people of this place, enjoy that abundant life. Let it overflow from us, O oh Lord. We bless your name. Have your way. Have your way. Take glory, our Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.